Well, it's always a lot of fun when the uh, CD of our theme <laughs> starts to stick. But I've heard that it's uh, now Mercury uh, or coming in very soon, Mercury retrograde. So uh, these things are probably going to happen uh, periodically on uh, electronic devices and all the things that uh, you, you know about. Uh, everybody knows about Mercury retrograde. Anyway, <laughs> this is the jazz show, and my name is Gavin Walker, and we have uh, three hours plus of some of the best of jazz music from all kinds of people. Uh, a little later on, we're going to celebrate the birthday of Charlie Parker, uh, one of the foremost musicians of the 20th century, if not the foremost musician, jazz musician of the 20th century. Charlie Parker encompassed everything. His influence is still very, very evident today. And uh, we're going to play his very first recording session that he did under his own name. Not his first recording, but his first recording session under his name. And uh, that goes back to 1945. We're going to hear that a little later on the show. We're going to continue our tributes to the recently departed uh, Toots Thielmans, um, virtuoso harmonica player, guitar player, and wonderful personality. And, of course, um, a further tribute to the late, great Bobby Hutcherson, of course, who was a master of the vibes and marimba, and uh, he'll be missed greatly. And we've got so much other stuff to do, but, of course, first in our agenda is always the jazz feature. Tonight is really one of the finest groups that Stan Getz, the great tenor saxophonist, ever put together. There was a chemistry in this particular band and um, a magic that was captured by the personnel in the band. And uh, when the band eventually uh, went its separate ways, um, that sound was never really captured again. Uh, the people involved in the band, the Essential ingredients were, of course, tenor saxophonist Stan Getz and valve trombonist Bob Brookmeyer. And those of you that are musically astute, you know that the tenor saxophone and the valve trombone basically have the same range, and they blend very beautifully. And Getz and Brookmeyer were really lyrical, soft players, and uh, although they... Um, were great, great jazz musicians. Uh, they approached their instruments uh, with, a, with a softness that, that was very, um, very apropos for the type of music uh, that they were playing. And they got a very, very, um, if you excuse the expression, cool sound. And I'm not talking about like cool, like really cool, like hip. It was... A, a real cool sound. It was a sound that um, really defined the, uh, as they said, the cool school of jazz. And uh, um, uh, it was a very beautiful sound. Getz and Brookmeyer um, came together uh, as associates in early 1953 
and they began to work together. Um, they used different uh, people in the rhythm section. And then in the middle of 1953, Stan Getz um, and his family moved from the East Coast out to Los Angeles and set up home uh, out there. And Getz um, had a whole bunch of gigs in L.A. There were all kinds of great jazz clubs there. Um, and Getz had, had lined up a whole series of gigs, and so he was able to bring the band uh, with Bob Brookmeyer, the valve trombonist, and um, the current rhythm section out there to Los Angeles to do these gigs and, and also to record rather prolifically for Norman Grants, the great impresario who owned two jazz labels at the time, Clef and Norgran. And um, Getz recorded uh, several albums uh, with this band. And the band included not only Getz and Bob Brookmeyer, but Johnny Williams on piano. He was from Vermont. He's not the John Williams who uh, does the movie scores and stuff. This is a very, very fine pianist who kind of, um, uh, after his brief uh, sort of national exposure in jazz, kind of disappeared. And... um, um, I believe he moved to Florida and, and kind of um, became a local musician, uh, moved off the uh, national jazz scene. The bass player, the original bass player, was Charlie Parker's favorite bass player, Teddy Kotick. And the drummer was a wonderful little guy from Detroit, Frank Isola. And Getz loved Frank Isola's playing because he played very light. He didn't uh, bash the drums. He was very tasteful. He knew how to use brushes, all this kind of stuff. Anyway, this band recorded a whole bunch of albums in 1953. And at the end of 1953, um, they all went their separate ways because Getz was offered a tour with Norman. It was like an all-star tour with Norman Grant's. And so he decided to do that. And then uh, um, in, er, in 1954 in Seattle, an unfortunate incident happened with Stan Getz, and um, he was arrested. Uh, those, of, those folks in the know knew that uh, despite Stan's good looks, uh, consistent performances, and um, uh, handsome clear, blue-eyed gentleman um, who at at this time had become the most famous jazz musician was unfortunately hooked on heavy drugs, heroin to be exact. And uh, Stan got busted in Seattle for attempting to rob a drugstore when um, he was desperate for the drug. And uh, through all this was uh, kind of a... A revelation for uh, for Stan. He uh, unfortunately he he the 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 robbery failed, and he headed back to his hotel room and he immediately phoned the drugstore, and apologized, and said that um, he was a sick man and and what he did was an act of desperation. He was uh, extremely sorry. And uh, he would send, um, he said, I'm a very famous musician. I make a a lot of money, and I'll send you a check um, as as an apology. And, um, of course, when he hung up the phone, the call had been traced, and it was within five minutes the police were banging on Getz's door and took him away in a police car. 
And during that time, all the media in Seattle, all the news, the newspapers were um, uh, were there because Getz was a huge celebrity. And the next morning, in papers throughout the country, in Canada, there was this picture of Stan Getz, nervous, uh, scared, in the back of a police car, and um, the most famous jazz musician in North America. Uh, arrested in Seattle. Um, eventually, he went back to, to do the tour. His court date came up, and he was given a six-month sentence. Uh, while he was uh, serving that sentence, he wrote letters of apology to his parents, to the, the uh, Downbeat magazine, which was the big jazz magazine, Metronome magazine, newspapers. He even wrote a letter to his rabbi uh, because he felt that he shamed jazz music, and he wanted to make amends. I think Stan Getz was definitely forgiven because when, when he uh, came out of jail, he immediately went back on tour again. And he was uh, allowed to hire his quintet, um, the quintet with Bob Brookmeyer that we're going to hear this evening. And they went on tour and culminated in a wonderful concert at the Shrine Auditorium in, in Los Angeles. And the album was, re, uh, the performance was recorded and released very quickly, and um, Getz was back. His public forgave him. Um, he, he realized he'd made a social error, and, and uh, he again retained his stature as a musician. And people realized how, how he felt and, uh, and accepted his apology. So he paid his debt to society, and, and Getz was back with this prestigious concert at the Shrine Auditorium. The day after the concert, Norm, the day after the Shrine concert, uh, Norman Grants uh, had arranged to bring the quintet into um, a recording studio and record more music by the quintet. And as it turned out, it, this was the last recording of this magical group that Getz had together. And the only change in personnel was a brand-new bass player by the name of Bill Anthony. And uh, he took uh, the original bass player's place in the band. And this was the final recording. And this is what we're going to hear tonight on the jazz feature. So the band was recorded on november 9th 1954 in los angeles stan getz on tenor saxophone bob brookmeyer valve trombone johnny williams on piano bill anthony on bass and frank azola on drums interestingly enough on the night before um with this band there was a uh, the at the shrine auditorium um the drums were manned by a gentleman named art martigan because Frank Azola was in the employ of Jerry Mulligan, the great baritone saxophone player. But uh, Stan had arranged for him to come to the studio for this session. But a little interesting story. Now, um, Jerry Mulligan were pay was paying all of Azola's expenses and storing his drums. And when Mulligan could be a kind of a mean-spirited individual, when he found out that Isola did this recording session, he fired him. And, and of course, he had the drums uh, he, in storage and, and presented Isola with the bill and said, you want your drums back? You have to get them out of storage. 
So poor Frank Azola, after this recording session, was stranded in, basically stranded in Los Angeles, and, and Norman Grants, the impresario, advanced him some money, and he was able to get his drums out of the uh, thing, uh, out of the storage locker, and he headed back to Detroit. And that was pretty well the end of his in, uh, national career. A very great drummer, but he, he managed to survive many, many years as a local musician in Detroit. So that's just a, uh, a minor. Anyway, the interesting thing about this recording that I found out, because the drums are, um, are okay, and I, I thought maybe it was maybe an engineering fault, but Frank Azola is not playing his, his own set of drums here. And all he took with him was his ride cymbal and his sticks. The drums were a set of drums that were already in the studio. And um, so uh, that's why there's a certain sound on the drums that wasn't um, typical of Frank Isola. But his tasty playing is still very, very much evident. Um, but, you know, drummers like to play their own set of drums and uh, they have them tuned a certain way and so on and so forth. Anyway, that's just a, a little esoteric detail. We'll get to the music right away because I'm sure you want to hear this. Uh, recorded in Los Angeles, November 9th, 1954. We begin with a, a great standard tune. The nice thing about this band is the interplay of everybody. It almost sounds like a modern-day Dixieland. There's a lot of interplay, and 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 um, the two horns just are just have a sixth sense of one another, and Johnny Williams is such a great pianist, um, so that's the highlight. The first tune we're going to hear is a, a, a standard by uh, Rube uh, Rube Rube Bloom called "Give Me the Simple Life," and uh, tune number two is a Bob Brookmeyer original called "Oh Jane Snavely." And tune number three is a, an extended version of a great jazz standard tune, and I think it's the best track on the whole album, is their version of I'll Remember April. And um, it's one of my very, very favorite Stan Getz solos. Um, tune number four is a beautiful take of a um, standard tune by Frankie Lane, entitled We'll Be Together Again, and then uh, a blues written by Count Basie and Jimmy Mundy. It's called Feather Merchant, and the final tune is a wonderful standard um, that was a big hit in the early 40s in a tune called Flamingo, and uh, so here we are. We're going to hear the music right now. Bob Brookmeyer on valve trombone, Johnny Williams on piano, Bill Anthony on bass, Frank Azola on drums, and the great Stan Getz on tenor saxophone. And we begin with Give Me the Simple Life. Thank you. 
Thank you. 
that, ladies and gentlemen, was our jazz feature this evening. And that was the final recording of this uh, incredible band that uh, Stan Getz had put together in 1953. And then uh, in late 1954, they reunited for a series of concerts and then went into the recording studio in Los Angeles and did these six tunes, and that was their final hurrah for this band, and everybody moved on to uh, different things. And uh, Getz and Brookmeyer occasionally uh, reunited over the years, but the, uh, the magic of this band uh, was never um, recaptured. And um, many people believe that this was the finest band that Stan Getz ever put together. And some people uh, also believe that maybe this was one of the finest bands in modern jazz history. Regardless, um, it's all opinion, and people have different opinions. The music is just great. And some of my favorite Stan Getz is on this uh, recording. And we heard, of course, Mr. Getz on tenor saxophone and... Bob Brookmeyer on valve trombone, and their blend and their interplay together was uh, just something that was uh, very, very extraordinary and very rare in jazz music. As I mentioned before, they were both uh, rather soft, lyrical players, and so their their concepts fitted so beautifully, and they were able to just um, do all kinds of things back and forth and uh, all the ensemble work and contrapuntal work and all this sort of stuff. On piano, a wonderful gentleman from Vermont, Johnny Williams on piano, and I always enjoyed his playing. He was a great contrast to the two horn players because he really dug in and swung hard. And um, Johnny Williams was a, a most interesting pianist. He um, basically just had a brief um, shelf life on the... Uh, uh, national jazz scene and then uh, moved to, uh, I believe he moved to Florida and, and just continued working there over the years as a, uh, a local musician and never uh, did much recording after uh, this particular period. On bass, Bill Anthony. And on drums, uh, an equally um, undeservedly uh, obscure musician, who uh, worked with Getz, and then he worked with Jerry Mulligan and um, uh, made this recording with, uh, with Stan Getz and um, played drums in a very tasteful and very light manner. And uh, originally from Detroit, his name Frank Azola. And uh, after this, again, he kind of dropped off the national scene, went back to Detroit, which was his hometown, and uh, worked there for years and years and years as a, as a local musician. So those are the people involved on this session. It was recorded in Los Angeles, November 9th, 1954. And uh, we opened with a great standard tune called Give Me the Simple Life. And then we moved to a Bob Brookmeyer original called Oh, Jane Snavely. Then I think the prize track on the whole album was the band's interpretation of the jazz standard I'll Remember April. And... Um, then we followed that with a ballad written by Frankie Lane entitled We'll Be Together Again. And then um, a Count Basie Jimmy Monday blues called Feather Merchant. 
And the final tune was uh, a big hit in the early 40s, very popular tune. And uh, Stan Getz and Brookmeyer put their heads together for a wonderful arrangement of the tune Flamingo. So that was our jazz feature this evening. Incidentally, Stan Getz is going to be the jazz feature artist next week, but a very, very, very different recording from this. Um, it's going to be his classic recording with the uh, string section. And um, this was a recording that he was most proud of, and it's called Focus. And it was done in the uh, early 60s, and it's an uh, incredible recording and very, very different from what we heard this evening. So it'll be a nice contrast. So I hope you enjoyed the Stan Getz Quintet, their final recording session in L.A. Our jazz feature this evening, you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And we'll be back in a very few moments. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Honkameenam-speaking Musqueam people. Yeah, what's up, man? Hey, I'm, uh, I'm on the guest list. Yeah, who's headlining here tonight? Yeah, I'm on their list. I'm on their list. Oh, well, I should be on there, so... Looking for that cool band buzz? Jeez, um, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Chindig is CITR's annual battle of the bands. Every year, Vancouver bands compete for prizes, including studio time, festival spots, media coverage, promotions, and more. We are now accepting submissions. Please send your demo of original material of at least three songs to shindig.submissions at gmail.com. Contact info must include your email and phone number. All genres welcome. Join a 33-year-old legacy of great Vancouver music. For more info, find the CITR Shindig page on Facebook. Club and BC Entertainment Hall of Fame proudly presents the Special Pioneer Awards in order to celebrate those who represent artistic excellence in British Columbia. This year's inductees are folk musician Linda McRae and longtime CITR programmer Steve Edge. The awards ceremony and concert will feature performances from Fat Beckman and Linda McRae. The event will take place on September 4th, 7.30pm at St. James Hall. Tickets will be sold for $24 each. We're going to celebrate now the birthday of the one and only Charlie Parker. He was born today in 1920, and Charlie Parker became one of the most, if not the most influential musician in jazz, and of course his music encompassed and influenced all kinds of music in the 20th century. And that even though his life was short, um, Parker died in March the 12th, 1955. Uh, he was only 34 years old. Uh, and yet his mark on music remains today. And um, what we're going to do to celebrate the birthday anniversary of Charlie Parker, he was born in Kansas City, by the way, and grew up in that uh, atmosphere in Kansas City was full of music, full of clubs, and he began playing uh, very early in life. 
a lot of people don't realize that he uh, once um, hit the uh, bandstand with uh, some heavy professional musicians, and he wasn't quite ready. And um, he was rather humiliated because uh, there were certain things that he uh, that were beyond his capabilities at the, at the time, and he was kind of sent sent home with his tail between his legs, and uh, he embarked. He was determined to um, get his music together, and he lived and breathed the saxophone. He practiced 18 hours a day, um, barely enough time to uh, uh, eat and and sleep. And um, his mother was, Addie Parker, was quite worried about him, but he was completely obsessed with getting his music together and and playing the saxophone. And um, a few months later, he went back to that same club and sat in with those musicians uh, that uh, scorned him and uh, created quite an impression by outplaying most of them. So that shows you what uh, hard work and practice can do. But Charlie Parker was also gifted. He was a musical genius, and there's absolutely no doubt about this. Um, The word genius is tossed around all kinds of, overused actually, but uh, Charlie Parker was one of the musicians who deserved that um, accolade, and he was a musical genius. What we're going to do right now is Charlie Parker's very first recording session under his own name. Now, he had recorded uh, before, but uh, not under his own name. He was part of Jay McShann's big band. He made some um, recordings there and some independent recordings. But um, these are his uh, recordings are from his very first uh, session under his own name. And it was uh, all done November 26, 1945, in New York City for Savoy Records. The session was a little bit chaotic because the piano player that Charlie Parker wanted was Bud Powell. And Bud Powell didn't show. He couldn't be found. Um, Phone calls were made. No one knew where Bud Powell was. Visiting the session was Charlie Parker's best friend and mentor, Dizzy Gillespie. Dizzy Gillespie not only could play the trumpet, but he was a pretty good piano player as well. And so Dizzy sat in and played piano. He didn't solo on the instrument, but he was certainly capable of chording and and accompanying uh, Charlie Parker, so filling in that very necessary um, uh, sound of uh, a standard jazz quintet. Uh, another thing that was happening on the recording session was that Charlie Parker was having a little bit of trouble with his horn, and um, the music store, a big music store, was right around the corner from the studio, so he had to leave a few times to get adjustments done to his horn because it was squeaking and squawking and, and um, needed, needed some um, a repairman to adjust it. And uh, saxophones and all these musical instruments sometimes need adjustment, and sometimes you, you never know when they're going to go wonky on you. So that was part of the tension of the recording session. Uh, another thing, this was one of Miles Davis's first recording sessions. 
He was just new in New York. He was um, a rich kid who had been sent there by his uh, very rich parents. Um, and he had hooked up. Uh, actually, the uh, Miles' parents uh, were paying his tuition to go to the prestigious Juilliard School of Music. But Miles uh, realized that he wasn't going to learn too much in this music school. He was going to learn a hell of a lot more by hanging out with Charlie Parker. And so that's what he was doing. And, um, of course, Miles uh, was asked to do this recording session. He was very scared, very nervous, but um, he did acquit himself reasonably well on this session, and we're going to hear him uh, as well. So this is one of the very, very early recordings of a very young Miles Davis. The other people involved, Curly Russell, one of the great modern jazz bassists, and on drums, one of the great pioneers of modern jazz, none other than Max Roach on drums. The band was billed as Charlie Parker's Reboppers. That was one of the early words for um, modern jazz. They called it Rebop. Uh, that word quickly became dated, and, and the actual, um, even though a lot of musicians didn't like the term, uh, Bebop became the accepted term for uh, this style of modern jazz. Um, Charlie Parker actually rejected that word. He didn't, he didn't like that. He just said, you know, it's all, it's just modern music. Let's just call it that. He, did, he didn't like that word particularly, but uh, it stuck, and that's what the public referred to, that this style of uh, modern jazz. So we're going to hear uh, these recordings. The first thing that was done on the date was a jam. And, of course, it only lasts for about three minutes. Um, but it features Charlie Parker, um, Dizzy Gillespie playing the piano, and you'll hear Dizzy laughing in the background sometimes, uh, Curly Russell on bass, and Max Roach on drums. And the band didn't know this was being recorded, but it was recorded and eventually released. Um, it's basically variations on Cherokee, and I think it's absolutely fantastic uh, because everybody's just burning on this thing. And um, they call it, on the record, they call it warming up a riff. And it just, it fades in and fades out. But it's, there's some incredible, uh, intense playing by Charlie Parker. Then we're going to move to the band uh, with Miles Davis on trumpet and give you the master take of one of Charlie Parker's great compositions, actually dedicated to his booking agent, Billy Shaw. And uh, he calls it Billy's Bounce. And, of course, it's a 12-bar blues in the key of F. And um, the second tune we're going to hear, or, or at least the third tune we're going to hear after uh, warming up a riff, Billy's Bounce, is a tune that uh, was appropriated by some other people and turned into a big hit, but Charlie Parker never got royalties from it. He was the originator of this particular uh, riff, and he called it Now's the Time, and it's another blues in the key of F. And uh, it's a great one and features a wonderful solo by Miles Davis. So this is the first part of Charlie Parker's um, first recording session. So we're going to hear these three tunes, beginning with Warming Up a Riff. We're going to follow that with Billy's Bounce, and we're going to end this quick part with uh, Now's the Time, and then we'll continue in a minute. So here then 
warming up a riff. Thank you. 
We heard the first uh, three tunes from Charlie Parker's very first recording session. The first uh, tune they didn't even know uh, was being recorded, and they were jamming on the tune Cherokee, and um, they recorded about three minutes of the performance. And, of course, Bird is just uh, on the wing, flying, with Dizzy Gillespie on piano and Curly Russell on bass and Max Roach on drums. Then the next two tunes were two original blues compositions by Charlie Parker, beginning with Billy's Bounce, and, of course, the band was joined by a very young and very nervous Miles Davis on trumpet. And um, Billy's Bounce was first, and the second tune was Charlie Parker's classic blues, Now's the Time. Now, there was a break in the session. Uh, Charlie headed, headed outside and down to the music store to get some work done on his horn and um, came back, and an interesting friend showed up. Um, a piano player by the name of Argon Thornton, who later on became um, Sadiq Hakim. And um, Argon had a very interesting uh, career in music, and uh, he was a very, um, very excellent piano player um, in those days. He worked with Lester Young and all kinds of people. And then later on in life, moved to Montreal. And uh, by that time, he was Argon, um, he was Sadiq Hakim. And he became part of the um, Montreal jazz scene in the late 50s and early 60s. And uh, an important link with uh, early modern jazz. Anyway, getting back to this session, Argon Thornton showed up and played on this tune, which is kind of a, uh, the genesis of a very famous composition called Anthropology. Um, but for purposes here, um, it is called Thriving on a Riff. And so we have Dizzy Gillespie playing trumpet this time. Uh, Dizzy's playing trumpet, uh, Charlie Parker on alto saxophone, Argon Thornton on piano, Curly Russell on bass, and Max Roach on drums. And we're going to hear this um, genesis of a tune called Anthropology, but known here as Thriving on a Riff. Then we're going to hear uh, a tune that went on too long to um, actually put on a three-minute record, and it's Bird's beautiful variations on the tune Embraceable You. And um, Dizzy's back on piano uh, for this one, and um, it, it, it's uh, the gentler side. They, it, this was just kind of a, another one of those pieces that they, that they put out, but it was too long, and it kind of cuts right off um, uh, because uh, at the time there was no tape, and uh, these were 10-inch records and three minutes was about the limit so this one went over the limit um anyway it's called meandering but it's basically variations on the gershwin tune embraceable you the final tune of the set was the gem the piece of genius um this is the piece of music that literally revolutionized everybody's ears and um it's features um they 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 tried it a couple of times with miles and he, he couldn't make the tune so dizzy plays both trumpet and piano on this and of course um and charlie parker on uh, alto saxophone curly russell on bass and max roach on drums and the tune is charlie parker's famous um variations on the tune cherokee and he called it coco and it's 
the, the, the real classic of this date. All right, so we begin with this tune with this uh, pianist, uh, Argon Thornton, and we're going to hear Thriving from a Riff to start. Thank you. 
Bye. That's the results of Charlie Parker's very first recording session under his own name. And uh, we heard the latter part of that uh, session. We began with um, the genesis of a tune uh, that Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker played a lot uh, called Anthropology, called here Thriving on a Riff. It featured, of course, Dizzy, on, Dizzy Gillespie on trumpet, Charlie Parker on alto saxophone, and um, visiting the studio and, and playing on this tune uh, was Argon Thornton on piano, who sounded very much like uh, Thelonious Monk, um, the, way, the way he uh, performed on here. Argon later was known as Sadiq Hakim and uh, lived in Montreal for many years and was a big part of the scene, but he was a very interesting character and a fine pianist. Curly Russell on bass and Max Roach on drums. Then we heard... Um, a truncated version of, of Charlie Parker playing beautifully on the, uh, over the chord progressions of Embraceable You. And um, unfortunately, it went on too long for the uh, uh, timing of uh, a recording, but they, at least they kept it, and uh, it, it, it just kind of cuts off in the middle of Dizzy Gillespie's piano solo. And uh, they put it out and called it Meandering. Um, <laughs> they didn't have to pay royalties to the Gershwin family that way. So um, same personnel. And the final tune, of course, was the capper of the whole session and uh, a piece of true genius. And uh, uh, this piece of music shocked a lot of people at the time. They'd never heard anything like it before. And uh, it was really a, an introduction to the complexities and the wonderful world of modern jazz. And uh, that was the final tune was Charlie Parker's composition called Coco. And that, of course, featured Dizzy on trumpet and piano. And um, Charlie, of course, on alto saxophone, Curly Russell on bass, and Max Roach on drums. So I thought I'd play this initial recording session. It was released on Savoy Records and called Charlie Parker and his Reboppers and uh, put out on a series of uh, 78 RPM albums. Or, or recordings, 
and it was all done in New York City, March or um, October 26, 1945. Charlie Parker today would have been 96 years old, and uh, unfortunately, Charlie Parker had a very short life. He was only 34 when he died March the 12th, 1955, and he was born on this day in Kansas City, Missouri, and one of the great geniuses of American music, Charlie Parker. All right. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and we'll be right back with uh, a tribute to uh, one of the recently departed musicians and one of my favorite performances by Bobby Hutcherson. And uh, that's going to come up in just a minute right after these uh, announcements. We'll be right back. For all of you yoga enthusiasts out there, Big Sisters of Bicidor Mainland is hosting a 10-hour team relay consisting of 10 one-hour yoga sessions. The event will take place at Jonathan Rogers Park on Saturday, September the 10th from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. There will also be vendors, salad bars, children's activities, music, and safe spaces for self-care. Register online for free at bigsisters.bc.ca. All levels of expertise are welcome to come and join us on this 10-hour grind. With the fall fast approaching and the weather cooling off quick, a family-friendly barbecue and picnic is the perfect way to soak up a little bit more of the remaining sun. The 6th Annual Westbrook Village Festival returns to the UBC campus on Saturday, September the 10th at 11 a.m. with something for everyone, whether you're young or young at heart. Located at 3378 Westbrook Mall, Westbrook Village will come alive with music, food, and performances featuring Rupp Loops, Dr. Strangelove, and Bloco Energia. There is a free barbecue lunch and tasty samples from local food companies including Dole Girls, Comfort Kitchen and Bake Shop, Rogers Chocolates and Murchie's Fine Tea to name a few. And they haven't forgotten about the adults as Beer Craft Restaurant will be hosting a happy hour beer garden. The younger generation will also have plenty to do there as there will be a kids zone complete with face painting, craft tables, bouncy castles and a climbing wall. Once again that is Saturday September the 10th at 11am. Admission is free, you don't want to miss this. We uh, always do and talk about the weather at this time. Um, there's going to be a little bit of a downturn this week. Uh, you heard the man say uh, weather is going to be a little cooler, a little less sunshine. That's what's going to be happening this week. It was quite nice today, but uh, it's clouding over. It's co- tonight is mainly cloudy with a low of 15. Tomorrow will be mainly cloudy for throughout the day with a low of 15 and a high of 22. And then um, some rain is in the forecast, 60% chance of a shower for most days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and temperatures between 16 and, uh, or 13 to 16, and temperatures rising to about maybe 18 to 20. 
So that's pretty wild the weather for right up till Saturday. And then Sunday is uh, merely, there's no precipitation in the forecast for Sunday. It's just merely cloudy with a low of 12 and a high of 20. So uh, we hope uh, summer comes back again a little bit. Uh, but it's cooling down this week. So prepare yourself. And um, I don't think you have to worry too much about sunscreen anymore. All right. Bobby Hutcherson passed away just recently. He was 75 years old, uh, died from uh, the results of uh, emphysema. And uh, we lost such a, a great musician, very, very well-loved musician. He was a master of the vibes. Um, Bobby Hutcherson, of course, uh, was born in Pasadena and uh, uh, headed east, lived in New York for several years, um, and then came back to the West Coast and um, settled just south of San Francisco at uh, Montara and uh, bought a home there and, of course, uh, performed all over the world for uh, right up until almost the end of his life. This uh, particular band was um, a cooperative band between Bobby Hutcherson, the younger member, and uh, the more elder statesman, the great Harold Land, uh, tenor saxophonist, and one of my favorites. And Bobby and Harold um, worked with different rhythm sections and, and recorded a whole series of albums and, and toured the world uh, with um, different, different people. Here, they perform uh, at the Yugoslavia Jazz Festival in Ljubljana, Croatia. And this was recorded in 1970. And it features Bobby, of course, on vibes, Harold Land on tenor saxophone, Hal Galper on piano, Reggie Johnson on bass, Joe Chambers on drums, and uh, Callie Fasto on uh, percussion. And this is a piece of music um, written by bassist Herbie Lewis, and it's called The Creators. And it's an uh, incredible um, performance by Bobby and Harold Land. And I hope you enjoy this um, first part of our tribute to the great Bobby Hutchison. This is The Creators.
That was recorded in concert in uh, Ljubljana in Croatia in 1970, and that was the Harold Land Bobby Hutcherson Band, and uh, which was together from about 1968 right through to about uh, 1971, and then they went their separate ways and reunited um, about 10 years later in a group called the Timeless All-Stars. That's a whole different uh, ball game. But this particular band had a very unique kind of approach to music, and uh, so we heard them, um, as I said, in concert. And uh, Bobby Hutcherson on vibes, of course, Harold Land on tenor saxophone, Hal Galper on piano, Reggie Johnson on bass, Joe Chambers on drums, and Kelly Fasto on percussion. And that was a uh, composition by bassist Herbie Lewis entitled The Creators. Very fine band. Harold Land, uh, quite unbelievable on that uh, recording. And Bobby Hutchison, too. We're paying tribute, of course, another small tribute to Bobby Hutchison. We're going to play two tracks now from a Blue Note album, which was one of those ones that never came out until years and years later. It was held back, was in the vaults, and it was finally released uh, sometime in the uh, early 80s. And um, the album title was Oblique, and it featured Bobby Hutchison on vibes, Herbie Hancock on piano, and the wonderful bass player who um, died far too young, Albert Stinson on bass. And Albert was originally from... um, Los Angeles, played with Chico Hamilton's band, and uh, a really, really great bass player. He was a student of a very good friend of mine, Paul Ruland, uh, taught Albert, and uh, uh, of course Albert went on to become a a premier bass player, but unfortunately died, uh, got into drugs and died of an overdose young. Great bass player, Albert Stinson. And on drums, once again, Joe Chambers. We're going to hear two Bobby Hutcherson compositions. The first one is a very beautiful thing called Till Then. And then the, we're going to follow that with a piece of music entitled My Joy. And uh, it's a very interesting piece of My Joy is a very interesting piece of music. It starts out very light, and then all of a sudden... Um, Hancock plays some sort of ominous chords and it goes into a whole sort of darker field. And um, I like I like that piece of music very much. So those are the two pieces that we're going to hear as a tribute to Bobby Hutcherson. temperamental CD here and I'm going to just switch players so bear with me these things happen very unpredictably you never know when it's going to happen so hopefully it will play right on uh, another one of our fine players and should be happening
very soon. Hang on.
Bobby Hutcherson. From his album, which uh, wasn't released at the time, but came out years later, an album called Oblique, and um, a very, very fine album. Bobby on vibes, of course, with Herbie Hancock on piano, Albert Stinson on bass, and Joe Chambers on drums. We heard two compositions. Incidentally, this was recorded uh, in New York City in 1967, and the first piece of music was called Till Then, and the second piece of music was entitled My Joy. Bobby Hutcherson. We have one more to play for you uh, with Bobby, and um, this time back together with Harold Land. They did an album called... um, It was called San Francisco, and it's very interesting because it's a little more uh, commercial and um, it was directed a little more. It was using um, uh, Joe Sample on electric piano and, of course, Bobby uh, on vibes and marimba and Harold Land, of course, on tenor saxophone, uh, flute on some tracks, and even oboe on some tracks, and John Williams on fender bass and the great Mickey Roker on drums. And it's not entirely a commercial album, but there is one tune on here that actually became an instrumental hit. And uh, it did so well on the charts that um, and made Bobby Hutcherson an incredible amount of money from uh, people sampling the tune and this sort of thing. Uh, It doesn't often happen to a jazz musician, but he made so much money that he was able to uh, purchase um, his home um, and uh, a huge acreage in uh, uh, right down Highway 1 in California at a place called Montara, and that, of course, was Bobby's home until he passed away. And uh, this piece of music provided for it, and we're going to hear it right now. So once again, it's Bobby Hutcherson uh, on vibes, Harold Land, tenor saxophone, Joe Sample on electric piano, John Williams on electric bass, and Mickey Roker on drums. And it's a Bobby Hutchison composition called Mmm. That's the title.
So that concludes our tribute to Bobby Hutcherson. It's kind of interesting that this uh, rather uh, simple bluesy tune became such a huge hit. And you, you can understand why. It, it has a, a certain appeal, and you can dance to it as well. And uh, it made um, Bobby uh, a ton of money, and he was able to buy a home and uh, a large amount of uh, acreage in a beautiful spot in um, California, just south of San Francisco. The tune is called Hum, and uh, it, it was, uh, as I said, it was just one of those things that clicked. It's like um, the tune Lee Morgan wrote when he wrote The Sidewinder. That became a, 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 an instrumental hit and uh, made all kinds of uh, uh, royalties for, uh, for Lee. And uh, this one did the same for Bobby Hutcherson. It's just one of those lucky things because it's not often an instrumental tune becomes a hit. It's usually connected with a vocal or something, you know. So anyway, this worked, and um, it's still a very fine performance. Uh, Joe Sample on uh, electric piano and synthesizer, uh, Bobby Hutcherson on vibes, Harold Land on tenor saxophone, John Williams on Fender bass, and Mickey Roker on drums. And Bobby Hutcherson's mmm from his um, from uh, their album San Francisco. So it concludes our tribute to the great late Bobby Hutcherson, and uh, we're going to move now to another tribute, and that is Toots Tielmans, ninety-four years old, passed away last week. Uh, as a result of a fall, actually. And um, he was one of the best-loved musicians and, of course, the gentleman that really put um, the jazz harmonica on the map. He was a virtuoso. He was also an incredible guitar player. And um, there's lots of videos of uh, Toots around. There's some great stuff where he plays the guitar and whistles at the same time. He was one hell of a whistler as well. And just an incredible musician and loved by just about everybody. Uh, he did recordings uh, for Quincy Jones, did all kinds of um, incredible uh, uh, stuff, including uh, the theme from uh, Sesame Street. That's him playing the harmonica on that, uh, on that theme. And uh, all, all kinds of other things. But this album stands out. This is an album called Affinity. And it features the great late Bill Evans on um, acoustic piano and uh, sometimes electric uh, piano as well. Mark Johnson on bass and my old friend Elliot Zygmunt on drums and a couple of tunes, Larry Schneider um, on tenor saxophone, very, very fine tenor saxophonist, and Toot Steelmans on harmonica. We're going to hear... A group of tunes from this wonderful album, which was done in 1978. And uh, the first piece of music is uh, by Phil Markowitz, and it's a great tune called Snow Peas. And uh, then we're going to hear a tune called, um, written by uh, Gianni um, Bedon, and the tune is entitled Jesus' Last Ballad. And we're going to follow that with a Larry Schneider composition called Tomato Kiss. And then we're going to play one more, a tune written by Bill Evans and Miles Davis, a very beautiful 
soulful version of blue and green. So here then, Toots Tielmans and Bill Evans and company, and we begin with Snow Peas.
Thank you.
Our continued tribute to the great Toots Thielmans. And uh, this is from a wonderful album that combines the talents of uh, Toots on harmonica and Bill Evans on both acoustic and electric uh, pianos, Mark Johnson on bass, and Elliot Zygmunt on drums, and we heard Larry Schneider on tenor and soprano saxophones. And we heard some uh, fine pieces of music from this uh, album. The first piece was written by Phil Markowitz and entitled Snow Peas. And the second tune was written by Gianni Bedon. And it was entitled Jesus' Last Ballad. And then a Larry Schneider composition, kind of a bossa nova thing called Tomato Kiss. And then finally, a wonderful version of the Miles Davis-Bill Evans collaboration, Blue and Green. Affinity is the name of the album, and it came out on uh, Warner Brothers Records, and it's uh, a true classic and a great tribute to uh, the late and wonderful Toots Thielmans, one of the great masters of music, the harmonica, the guitar, the whistle, whatever one of the great love musicians. Passed away at age 94. A good long life, and uh, he'll be missed. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9. My name's Gavin Walker, and we're also on the web, uh, www.citr.ca. Speaking of the web, um, there are a couple of great websites that I always mention. One of them, of course, is the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. And that's a very, very comprehensive website, and you can 
uh, access all kinds of information on that site, including uh, the information of up-and-coming concerts. You can purchase tickets. Um, and, of course, uh, Coastal Jazz and Blues Society is one of the great backers of one of our city's finest jazz clubs, and that's uh, Frankie's Jazz Club on Beatty Street, right across the street from BC Place. And um, you can see the schedule um, of musicians and performers that are playing at Frankie's and uh, how to get uh, reservations and tickets and all that kind of stuff. And so the website, of course, is coastaljazz.ca. Very, very comprehensive website kept completely up to date. So that's one uh, very worthwhile one to go to. The other one, of course, is Brian Nation's great website, which has been around for a long time. That's vancouverjazz.com. And there's all kinds of um, very valuable information on that website as well. So those two are uh, just really the places to go to uh, check out um, the scene uh, in Vancouver, in and around Vancouver. And, of course, there's, um, we have uh, Pat's Pub, which is down in the uh, downtown east side and a very, very popular spot, very nice place and um, easy parking down there. It's quite safe to go down there. Some people have expressed a bit of trepidation. And it's far enough away from... Uh, the uh, other activity down there and of course once you get into the place it's it's great the food is great and uh, there's jazz music there every saturday afternoon the nice thing about it is that the music is absolutely free no cover so uh, that's one of the big advantages and of course they have other events at uh, pat's pub and you can check out they have a schedule and you can check out what uh, what's coming up there. And, of course, keep in touch with the um, great websites, as I mentioned, VancouverJazz.com and CoastalJazz.ca. And uh, once one more mention, my good friend Ken Speller, who is a musical repairman and also a music teacher. And um, he has his own workshop in his uh, own home, so he doesn't charge you. Uh, a great deal of money to um, keep instruments like clarinets, flutes, saxophones, which require a lot of maintenance, up-to-date and in tune and uh, working perfectly because you don't want an instrument that's not working perfectly because then you're going to sound terrible on it, and it's not going to be your fault. (laughs) So there you go. So the instrument's got to be in good shape for you to sound your best, and Ken Speller's one of the guys is the guy to do it, and he doesn't charge you an arm and a leg, as I said, because he has his own workshop in his home. And uh, he's also a great music teacher. He has a a business called Music at Home, and he'll come to your house and teach you how to play those instruments as well. And, of course, he's an excellent musician himself. That's Ken Speller. And uh, Ken can be reached at... 778-800-1933. That's 778-800-1933. Or via email, kspeller, K-S-P-E-L-L-E-R, underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. kspeller, underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. Back to music. And this is organist John Patton, big John Patton. And he's going to appear here with a guy who is still alive and well 
Uh, he's a master musician. He plays a, an instrument called the brathophone, which is a combination of two saxophones in one. And he's designed it himself, and uh, it's manufactured. You can buy one of these things. But on this record, it's a little, he's a little early in his career. His name is George Braith. And he plays the soprano saxophone and the stritch, which is uh, an elongated uh, alto saxophone. And he plays them like Roland Kirk. He plays them both together. But he, he, he's a very different musician from Roland Kirk. But he's um, very out there and a uh, great player. And he's on this recording with uh, Big John Patton on Hammond organ, Grant Green on guitar, and Ben Dixon on drums. So we're going to hear a piece of music by George Braith called the Bermuda Clayhouse. Then we're going to add the wonderful trumpet player Tommy Turrentine uh, to the ensemble. And we're going to um, do another tune written by John Patton this time called Blue John. So here then is John Patton with George Braith and company.
And that's it. We heard uh, three tunes from this album called Blue John, and uh, it featured organist Big John Patton, along with uh, George Braith, who uh, sometimes simultaneously plays the soprano saxophone and the stritch. The stritch is, as I mentioned, an elongated alto saxophone. And uh, Grant Green on guitar and Ben Dixon on drums. The first tune we heard was a George Braith composition called Bermuda Clay House. And then the second tune we heard, we added uh, Tommy Turrentine on trumpet to the ensemble, and we heard the uh, title track called Blue John. And we ended with this um, variation on the blues written by Ben Dixon, the drummer, called Nicety, and that featured the, uh, the full band. So that's it for this edition of The Jazz Show, the last uh, one for the month of August. Uh, already September is going to be next week, and of course uh, our next show is Labor Day, September 5th. Our jazz feature next week will be this incredible album with Stan Getz, once again, with a string section, and the strings are various pieces composed by uh, a great uh, composer, orchestrator, Eddie Sauter, and Stan plays um, variations in and around the string compositions. It's a very, very different album, and it's an album that Stan Getz regarded as maybe one of his highest musical achievements, and the album is called Focus, and that's going to be the jazz feature next week. Great, great album. So do join us. We start at 9 o'clock, and we carry on till, well, when we carry on to after midnight. Thank you very much for being out there. My name is Gavin Walker. This has been The Jazz Show. And, of course, you're listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. See you in seven days' time, and take care. Bye-bye.